Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode five on our study on Brennan Manning's book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. Tommy, we have been through this now uh, four weeks, this this book. And, um, and one of the things that uh, has stuck out to me in this book is that subtitle that it is for the burnt out, the bedraggled, and the beat up. And I think that there is a lot of truth now in that subtitle as we start seeing this because I see myself missing so much in the world around us about how God is revealing himself. So true, John. And we are so engrossed in our everyday lives with the noise, the crowds, the hurry, the bustle. And we never take time just for a few minutes to just stop and stop the noise, stop the crowds, stop the hurry, even for five minutes, just to experience the presence of God. And because we have refused or don't permit ourselves to do that, we have lost this sense of wonder. Brennan Manning opens up this chapter by describing some of the words of Abraham Heschel, who, by the way, was one of the authors that I had read in in seminary, uh, Abraham Heschel. And he, after suffering a heart attack, says this to his assistant beside him, I feel only gratitude for my life. For every moment I have lived, I am ready to go. I have seen so many miracles during my lifetime. Never once in my life did I ask God for success or wisdom or power or fame. I have only asked for wonder and he has given it to me. And then Brennan Manning says, by and large, our world has lost its sense of wonder. And as I was reading this, I couldn't help but be reminded of when our son was two years old. Now he's 21. So he was probably 18 months, 20 months old. And the first time he saw snow and we were up in Atlanta of all places at Lisa's parents' house, they had a sliding glass door. And that night it had snowed two, three inches. It snowed at their, at their home in Northern Atlanta. He comes down and he's still in his pajamas. And at that time there were a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and he comes up to the door and he sees, he puts his hands on the sliding glass door and you could see the wonder. Now, look, Tommy, I have seen snow. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania. Snow was a very, it was very much a part of my everyday life. And here is my son for the first time seeing it. I could see the wonder in his eyes. Of course, grandpa opens the door and he runs out there not <laughs> just the way he is in his pajamas, bare feet and starts running into the snow. I mean, how many times have I passed by the wonder of snow, the wonder of a rose, the wonder of a rainbow? I think there's something about that that has been lost in our lives when it comes to how God reveals himself. If we're not amazed, if we're not in awe, if we have lost our wonder, what does that tell us about ourselves? John, we are so consumed with our society and the elements of our society that we don't take the time to just stop and, you know, God has blessed us with nature, the outdoors, the watching of a sunrise or a sunset, 
you know, like you said, the rain, the snow, the rainbow, the changing of seasons. Those are all God's blessings to us. But do we take the time to really enjoy those? Do we take time sitting on our patio with no iPhones or no iPads or no computers? And do we just enjoy the birds singing or the squirrels rushing up and down the trees? Do we ever do that? Do we do that constantly? Or is it just every now and then we say, well, I'm, I'm just burned out. I need to go out and read the Wall Street Journal on the porch. It's like we have to go to a certain location for that to happen, yeah. to the beach, to the mountains, to the ranch or wherever, is that that is the only place. Yet the sun rises and sets everywhere, and yet at the same time, it has lost its wonder. One of the things that I am convinced of, and especially what I think Brennan Manning in this, this chapter speaks on, is that this is one of the ways that God reveals himself in Wesleyan theology, we would call this a means of grace. This is one of the ways that God reveals grace, glimpses of his grace to his people. Absolutely. And we go back to our uh, celebration of discipline and with Richard, Richard Foster's book on uh, the study of meditation and how important it is to meditate not only on God's world, word, but own nature surrounding us. And uh, Carl Jung made a comment. He said, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. So we can, in Columbus, Georgia, we can see, we can ride around Lake Bottom, and we can see joggers and walkers with AirPods or headphones or whatever and they look like they're in torture <laughs> they don't enjoy the outdoors and lake bottom is a beautiful park i mean if they would just and you you don't have to do a walk around lake bottom in 30 minutes why not take an hour to walk around and enjoy what god has offered us and intended for us to enjoy as well and like you say, it's it's a way of God speaking to us, the awe and wonder of he created all this. Yeah, Brendan Manning actually pinpoints what you're exactly saying is that we get so preoccupied with ourselves, the words we speak, the plans and the projects we conceive, that we become immune to the glory of creation. Our world all around us is saturated with who God is. It's the lurking presence of God is revealed not only through the spirit, but through matter all around us. And, and here's, here's what's interesting to me, you know, and I'm this type of person, Tommy, I, I like to know how things are put together. I, I like to take things apart and I like to put them back together again. Um, I've done that all my life. If I wanted to figure out how something works, I take it apart and I put it back together. And the more times I've done it, the less parts that are left over I found, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I learned a little bit more about it. And so you take apart a cell phone or you take apart a computer or you take apart toaster oven or whatever it is. And what you learn is how it works. 
you learn how everything works, how the intricacies of circuits and power and how information and transistors and resistors and all those servos that are working together to make something happen. And we actually become satisfied with that, but we never really move into the wonder and the awe of the person who invented it to what actually motivated them to do it. Why? So medical fields, we look at the intricacies of our body, how they're put together. And we can, we know so much about our bodies, yet that becomes the limit. And we never, ever ask ourselves the question, why did God create us? We might understand how we're put together and we think in of ourselves, we've become gods, but we're not because we have never been able to understand. And there is the wonder. There is the awe of who God is, is when we start to explore and entertain the personal nature of a God who breathed into us the breath of life, created us in his image. John, Advanced civilizations have integrated science and pushed God to the sideline. So unfortunate. And just think about in our lifetime, 25 years ago, we didn't have cell phones. 25 years ago, we had television, but it, uh, well, it probably was color 25 years ago. We didn't have remote controls. We didn't have remote (laughs) controls. We didn't have, have smart televisions. But look at what happened to society when cell phones took over our lives, it's, we're addicted to them. Facebook, all the other social media outlets. How much time do we normally spend on Facebook? Science is a and you just spoke about the body. Just think what has always fascinated me, airplanes. How can that plane Go 600 or 700 miles an hour at 36,000 feet, and you're just like you're floating on air. And you can fly from Atlanta to L.A. in four hours. But yet we don't think, who created, who created that? Who made it possible for Edison to create the light bulb? And we can go down through history and all the advancements that we have made in science and technology but yet we forget where it originated. We tend to put God on the sideline. And we, don't, we can enjoy the cell phone because it's, it's a part of our life now. But it cannot be an ad- addictive instrument. We must go back to the, to the basics and don't let science put God to the sideline. We must become creatures of nature. We are part of nature. And there is no substitute for the presence of God in our our daily lives, not on the weekend. Like you say, we don't have to go to the mountains or the beach to recharge our batteries. We can do that every day by just acknowledging and accepting God's grace and his presence in our lives. So... Brennan actually addresses what you just said. He writes, he actually asks this question. Could it be that there is a God right there 
in the thick of our day-by-day lives who may not be writing messages about himself in the stars, but in one way or another is trying to get messages through our blindness as we move around down here, knee-deep in the fragrant muck of misery (laughs) and marvel of the world. We, We want to gravitate towards and believe in ourselves that God is transcendent, and he is. He is other. The attribute of God's holiness and justice and mercy and love are unfathomable. But he's also intimate. He is also the God who is right there in the muck and misery of day-to-day life. And I think what he offers us is this invitation to set aside those distractions for just a moment and focus on him. You talk about social media, you talk about emails, you talk about the tethering that we have allowed ourselves to be tethered to when it comes to the electronic world. We need separation. We need those moments just where we can sit back. And as Abraham Heschel asked of God, God, I ask you just to show me wonder. John, your sermon Sunday was on Joshua in chapter 24, I believe, where Joshua was ending his career, so to speak, and he admonished the people to remember that God brought them out of Egypt into the wilderness Now they are set to enter the promised land. And his comment was, and we see this throughout Scripture, do not be afraid, I am with you. But today, our family will worship God. And you can either choose life or death. Yeah, he gives them that challenge at the end. He gives them four options. He says, choose this day who you will serve. That's right. He says, if it's going to be the gods of Abraham back in the Ur of Chaldeans, serve them. If it's going to be the gods of Egypt, if it's going to be the gods of the Amorites beyond the river, whoever it is, just make a decision. As Elijah in 1 Kings 18 is telling the people at Mount Carmel, stop limping around between serving the Lord and serving Baal. As you mentioned a few weeks ago, maybe it was in this series podcast or in a previous one, Jesus standing at the door and knocking says, you are neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. You're straddling this fence. You choose. So Joshua says, choose. But as for me and my house, we will choose to serve the Lord. A daily decision of choosing to serve the Lord. That point resonates or should resonate with everyone because it's not on the weekend or it's not on a vacation. It's every day. And we have to come to the realization that the the Facebooks of the world, the news of the world, those things are a part of our society, but we cannot let them control us. We cannot allow ourselves to be addicted to Facebook, emails, or whatever. We have to come to the conclusion 
that we have to ask God for his presence to manifest itself in our lives every day, in every part of our lives, whether it be business, home, or friends, or whatever we're doing, we have to come to that conclusion that we need the presence of God in our lives to guide and direct us. He will do that, but he is not going to play second fiddle because the life that we live and that in our society is living sooner or later will be a destructive society because we have taken our eyes and we have pushed God to the side. We have eliminated God for the equation of success. Yeah, and it's not just us pushing God to the side. It is also Christians do this when they see their faith as um, as assigned to certain times or certain places. They see their relationship with God and the gospel of grace, the, the grace that God, the wonder is so devalued when we continue to push God as somewhere out there and we deny the personal nature of, of God, that he is with us. I mean, God expressed himself. God continues to express himself as a personal God. Thomas Oden, who is a contemporary theologian, writes that the tenet of Christianity, if you would boil it down, is that we believe in a God who intentionally and deliberately reveals himself every day, every moment. And we see that through the history of Israel when we read the Old Testament. And when God revealed himself, the men, the women, the boys and the girls, they had a description of that, which what God had just done. God was their rock. God was their redeemer. God was their provider, as Abraham said on the mountain, as he stopped from sacrificing his son Isaac and provide. And the Lord provides a bull. John, I'd like to take a moment uh, and read a part of page ninety-seven. This is a novel that was inspired by Irma Bombeck. And she wrote this column, If I Had My Life to Live Over Again. And this is what she wrote. I would have invited friends over to dinner, even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. I would never have brought anything just because it was practical, wouldn't show soil or was guaranteed to last, last a lifetime. When my children kissed me impetuously, I would never have said, later, now get washed up for dinner. There would have been more I love, use, more I'm sorry, but mostly give another shot at life. I would seize every minute, look at it, and really see it, live it, and never give it back. And he goes on to say, once again, right in the middle of our daily newspaper, an echo of grace, each moment of our existence, we are either growing into more are retreating into less. We are either living a little more or dying a little bit. As Norman Mailer put it, God's loving presence and power in our midst are even more real. I remember reading that and, and just being set back, you know, it's not that what Irma says is if I had my life to do over again, 
What if Christians said, what if I changed my life from this point forward? What, what would be different if I changed it from this point on? Maybe, maybe that's too broad. Maybe, maybe we would ask ourselves, what would be different, Tommy, if I did it just today and I was a little less concerned about the dirt on the sofa and the beans getting cold on the dinner table? I have a seven-year-old who I know how real this is. She'll come to me like last night. She came to me and says, Daddy, I want to show you something. Of course, I'm right in the middle of something and I push her off just for a few minutes. And finally, man, I, I, I remember what I read and I thought, man, I can't do that. So I set aside what I'm doing. I get up. She has made a store in her bedroom of jewelry, you know, this is $2, this is 50 cents, or you can pay to make your own bracelet right here. But how easy it is to let the noise and the busyness and the crowd dictate what must be done in the immediate. And I think there is within itself the problem where we take our eyes off the wonders, why we don't see the wonder. We're not like my son who was two when he was two and he experienced the wonder of that snow for the first time. And here I am, I've walked past it, driven through it, ignored the rainbows, the butterflies all around, all around. So true, John, and in our society today, we are at, or we might be past that crossroad, but I think that we have to go back to your sermon, what jo- Joshua admonished the people. You have a choice between life and death. Choose life. Don't be in such a hurry not to enjoy the blessings, whether it be a child, as in your daughter, or in just sitting for a few minutes and enjoying the blessings that God has given us, whether it be through the sunset, the sunrise, the rain, whatever it might be. We can ride in our cars and turn off the radio because we're not going to miss much because it's going to be regurgitated that afternoon again and again and again. So why not just enjoy the silence of riding down the road and just letting our mind bring in everything that God wants to bring into our minds? You remember Richard Foster's chapter on simplicity? Sure. Oh, and I encourage you to go back and if you're listening to our podcast on Richard Foster's book, um, that chapter on simplicity. I mean that, and I think Richard Foster actually wrote an entire book on simplicity. I think he did. He did. He did. He did. My friends, um, we're very grateful that you have allowed us to be uh, uh, have a part in your day today, and very thankful that whether you're listening on iTunes or Amazon or Spotify, Stitcher, from our website, we're glad that uh, you're with us. What we would love to leave with you after reading this chapter and discussing this chapter is an honest question 
that you would ask yourself in self-reflection. Have I lost the wonder of God? Have I manipulated God into something manageable and left my heart and my mind no room for it to be anything more than that? Listen with your spirit. See with the eyes of a, of a child of God with wonder and awe of all the ways that God reveals himself to you today. Look for those glimpses of his grace and those means of his grace all around you because they are shouting. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.